Welcome to the podcast where we do it for the love of it. I'm Charles, and this is a sports podcast watching for the best stories from across the global competitive landscape. You may notice, if you've been listening this whole time, that Kevin is not here today. He he is on vacation, but he will be back next week. So we're going to just put out a short little podcast today. Not a lot going on in the world of sports in early August anyways. And we're going to start with eSports, the newest sport around. And we're going to begin there with Fortnite. We are in week four of the summer skirmish, and week four they brought us Hold the Throne. This was a format, first person to eight points, two points for a battle royale victory, one point for either second or third, as well as one point for the most eliminations. This was won by Secret Dementos, took the overall first person to eight, followed up by Gentside Thevik and RWL7 Proximastar. The special Hold the Throne Most Eliminations in a Single Match $50,000 bonus was split three ways by Proximastar, Jamside, and Oblivion FN. I've said it said it last week, uh, Fortnite is the most accessible, kind of best entry point if you're looking to get into esports because you can watch it and it's a free game. You can download it right away and join in and play. Who knows, maybe you'll be the next superstar. Um, also, although the Overwatch League finished up last week with the London Spitfire winning the inaugural championship, there was fairly significant Overwatch news. They are adding up to six teams, but we know already there will be at least two. A new team in Atlanta, Georgia, as well as one in Guangzhou, China. They... The rumors are there might be as many as six teams with two new teams in each of Asia, Europe, and uh, North America. So this league, already a big deal, 12 teams could be expanding well beyond what anybody would expect for such a young sports league. Um, We're going to move on now to another sport that just, just a few weeks off its big event uh the cycling we're all just coming down a little bit from the tour de france but uh david lapartier and his new proposed rules have given us all a little bit to talk about he has suggested to reduce the peloton to only six riders per team adding some sort of salary cap or salary management financial fair play rules something to even out so we don't have team sky completely dominating with spending more than 10 times kind of what a team like EF Education spends. I think that can only only be good. He's also suggested that we eliminate the race radio, which could be complete chaos. When you consider it could go back to the era where riders could get away all by themselves without anybody actually realizing for 5-10 minutes that, oh, my number one rival is gone, and I think anything that involves that increases the chaos in any sport is always good. I'd love to see that. Hadn't actually that thought hadn't crossed my mind. This next one, eliminating power meters. This one has definitely crossed my mind. I have no idea why cycling has allowed power meters to be on the bikes with riders being able to watch it in real time. You have to remember that this is this is entertainment. 
And there's no way that Chris Froome looking at his power meter and saying, I, I can make 550 watts for the next stretch. And just sitting there while attacks go around is more exciting than people having to f feel why they're attacking. This has been criticized by riders, it's been criticized by other people in the cycling industry, and I think it's just that little bubble they're into. They don't want to make their own jobs harder, even though it would clearly make it more exciting for the viewers. I absolutely hope this one goes through. Most I, Every time I see power meters discussed, it seems so obvious to me. I really hope that this this change will come and the sooner the better one last thing he suggested was currently there is the setup as most uh most cycling cycle cycling watchers know uh 18 teams 18 world te tour teams and 22 teams in most races he has suggested that we go down to 15 world tour teams with seven, up to seven, but possibly if we go down to six riders, there could be even more teams in the race, adding to more chaos, always good. But uh, for the current setup of eight, it would be 15 teams with 15 World Tour teams, up to seven uh, secondary market teams. And those teams, some you would be able to get automatic buys in, as opposed to now where it's, um, it's pretty much all decided by the race organizers, who they want, who they think would be the best advertising for their race. And there would also be a relegation component in this idea. We don't quite know how that's going to set up. But going back to that chaos idea, I think this would increase chaos. I don't know if it's going to increase the amount of money in cycling, and there is a lot of worry. How is this going to work? So we don't quite know if this is going to come through, but these are the... Lapachin is obviously the head of the UCI, has a lot of clout right now, but the way cycling is suggested, he is definitely not a dictator who can simply make his will happen. We'll have to look to see what what finishes up. All right, going from a couple sports that have just finished off the peak of their season to one that's just starting up, NFL preseason started this week with the Bears playing the Ravens in the Hall of Fame game. Lamar Jackson was the biggest story out of this had kind of a so-so so-so beginning. I believe he was 4 of 10, 4 of 11 for 33 yards, pick, touchdown. Not, some people were hoping, if you were hoping he was going to start day one, you didn't see what you wanted to see. I see him more as a, you sit him down this year, don't even ha have him in a snap, don't do any stupid wildcat things with him, just let him develop as a quarterback. Kevin, who is not here, is a huge Ravens fan, has a lot of belief in Lamar Jackson. But I think he might be a little disappointed if he's expecting big things from him this year. A few other bits of news. Uh, Earl Thomas's holdout continues. It seems like he is serious about this. He wants a new deal. He wants a long-term deal, and he's not willing to sacrifice his body. And the only way you can get a new deal, the only leverage you have as a player in the NFL is if you're willing to miss games. And I think he might just be willing to miss games. The Seahawks are headed for a real bad season this year. To a bit of a rapid-fire segment. Starting in the NHL, Jeff Skinner was traded for three draft picks and a prospect. Not a huge... Not a huge price for a very talented player, very capable scorer. Carolina trades him to the Buffalo Sabres. We don't know what the Buffalo Sabres are doing, to be quite honest. I like this trade, but I can't 
I still don't attach it to any sort of plan. I don't think the Buffalo Sabres even know what they're doing. The new, the relatively new owner, he's start, he's been around there for a while, doesn't appear to have a steady hand on the ship. And we we shall see, but I do not have a lot of faith. I like Jeff Skinner, but I do not have a lot of faith in the Sabres. Uh, in more NHL news, John Gibson was extended eight years, $51.6 million. I think this is a great deal. John Gibson was a Vesna contender last year, and for eight, for eight years for less than $6 million, you're not paying him. That's not superstar money, and I think he has the possibility to be a superstar goalie. I don't think the Ducks have what is necessary for the next couple of years, but when you got an eight-year deal, you can when you got that position locked down, you can seriously think about contending for a championship in four or five years. Because unlike a lot of NHL deals where they, they might be okay for the first couple of years and look really bad years, five, six, seven, eight, I think this is going to look like a good deal for a long time. Very impressive. Can't wait to see, especially in the weak Pacific division, it might be, it's hard to see them not contending for a championship sometime in his eight-year reign. And we have a special request from Kevin. He's not here, but he did request that we talk, that I talk at least, about uh, various QB battles coming in the upcoming NCAA season. I'm sure Kevin will have his own two cents coming up next week. But for now, um, Alabama is the biggest one. Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa, his, his, the crazy story, Tua takes over in the national championship game, wins the game. Jalen Hurts has been... Very dependable for the last two years, but has never been a superstar. At first, it looked like this could blow up in Alabama's face, but at the current moment, it seems like Jalen Hurts is probably going to stick around regardless. We don't know where he'll be next year. He's going to try to graduate early. But at the very least, he'll be there opening day, both Jalen and Tua. And I think it's it's Alabama. Nothing's going to go that wrong. It's going to be a good team either way. I... I think Hertz is probably gonna play, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be worried if you're a Bama fan either way. The Clemson Tigers have somehow like this is not a blue blood team that you expect to be around every year, but they are one two national championship contender every year. It's incredibly impressive. And one of the reasons is they keep pulling in quarterbacks. And this year they got incumbent Kelly Bryant coming up against Uber talented freshman Trevor Lawrence. And you have to remember Clemson last year at Hunter Johnson, another super talented freshman who has transferred to Northwestern. They, they're pulling in talent like crazy. I think Kelly Bryant will be, be in, in the starting position week one, but I, if injury or perhaps shaky play at the start, I can absolutely see Trevor Lawrence taking over and looking at a team that could be a national championship with Trevor Lawrence at the helm. Georgia is one of the weirdest quarterback battles. Everybody seems to say this is a quarterback battle between Jake Fromm and Justin Fields, and I don't get it. There was no player that impressed me more than last year than Jake Fromm. He's still young. He's only a sophomore. I know Justin Fields comes in with incredible hype, but hype is one thing. We saw real action from Jake Fromm last year. 
He'll be the week one starter, and I don't think he's going to give it up. I think by the end of the season, no one's going to remember the name Justin Fields, and we'll be talking about Jake Fromm as Heisman contender, probably showing up in New York for the ceremony. On the opposite end of the spectrum, you got Florida State. You got DeAndre Francois, who was the starter week one last year, but didn't even get to the end of that game before getting injured, and James Blackman, who took over, ran the rest of the season as Florida State had a very middling so-so season. I think you're going to get, uh, I think the consensus seems to be DeAndre Francois is going to get a chance to keep the job that he lost via injury, but I don't know about that. I think Blackman, he wasn't great, but people forget that Francois wasn't really that great either, and I think Blackman is going to take over, take the reins, and while Florida State isn't going to be the Florida State of the Jameis Winston years. I think they'll be a pretty good team. They'll be better than they were last year, and it'll be enough for Blackman to keep his job and move forward. Michigan is one of the more wild uh, quarterback competitions. You got uh, Shea Patterson, Brandon Peters, Dylan McCaffrey, McCaffrey, all in there fighting. Jim Harbaugh is not someone who has ever kind of settled down on a quarterback, at least not in his time for Michigan. I think the the number one man you'd expect is Shea Patterson transferring from Ole Miss. And I figure he'll probably do well enough to keep the job. But I think we'll definitely see good chunks of Brandon Peters. And if he really shows flashes of talent, I'm not sure he has. But if he shows it, we could see a takeover sometime in the fifth, sixth week of the season. The last group I want to talk about are is UC, USC, UCLA, and Oklahoma. All three of these schools lost big-name, big-time quarterbacks to the first round of the NFL draft. And now suddenly you got players that are going to have to step into those very big shoes. I think the best, best position is probably Oklahoma with Kyler Murray. We've seen bits of him in backups. Oklahoma has that kind of system that you can just throw it. You're going to get yards wherever you put in as long as he's got talent and you know recruiting he's got some talent. USC is the same same kind of thing. There's a lot of talent there. I don't think there's the same sort of track record of success as we saw with Kyler Murray. But you got Matt Fink, Jack Sears, and the youngster JT Daniels. USC's never been scared to go young, and I think we're going to see JT Daniels show up, but up this year, but up big numbers. In what could be a very weak Pac-10. He might be a standout player. And then UCLA is kind of the miss, the mess for that one. We got a lot of names with some talent. But we don't know uh, multiples of these quarterbacks. A couple of these quarterbacks weren't in spring camp. We don't know what we're going to get. You got Devin Modster, Wilton Spate, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. We don't know a lot about these guys. But uh, Chip Kelly's first year as coach, it will be an exciting ride, but I don't know if it's going to be a successful ride. In other sports news, it is the Sailing World Championships going on right now. We've got the laser categories going on, and if you're looking forward to that, top top events going on right now. Also, personal favorite of mine, we got the World Wheelchair Rugby World Championships going on. They start uh, today on the 5th and go into the 10th. This was a sport I hadn't really ever discovered until the Pan Am Games in Toronto earlier last year. Extremely exciting sport. These athletes are 
intense competitors. It's a it's a sport that works really well on TV. I think it flashes, it pops. I definitely recommend watching that. Should be a lot of fun. And we are going to wrap up the podcast here. I know it's a short one. Kevin will be back next week. And if you got anything to say, any sports you think we should be following, let us know at For the Love Pod on Twitter or Instagram. We do this because both of us, we absolutely love sports. Kevin loves his college football and a whole bunch of others. For me, cycling is my absolute favorite. But I also love football, biathlon. You'll be hearing about that a lot in the winter. We do this because we love it. And if there's any other sport that we're missing, I know there was an article in a Sports Illustrated maybe a dozen years ago now about uh, the East Asian Games, which absolutely enthralled me. It was one of my favorite articles they ever wrote, which I cannot find anymore. So if you know what issue that article's from, that'd be great. Let me know. And even more important, if you remember the sports that were in that article that were featured, I would absolutely love to know what those were. That's just the kind of thing we want to cover is just the love of sports, people competing the best of the world at what they do, doing what they do. So once again, you can hit us up at For the Love Pod. You can contact Kevin at Kevin Hansen, H2H on Twitter, Instagram, all that. Or if you want to get a hold of me, Head to head, P-R-O-D. And that will do it for this week. Thanks for listening.